this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to Hebrews chapter 11. I began part one this morning on family heroes. Tonight I'll conclude this message in 26 minutes. The Lord willing. I want to highlight three amazing verses out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. Notice that. Moved with godly fear. Prepared an ark for the saving of his household which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. And then I want you to notice verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. That's Pharaoh's command. They hid him. Verse 31, last verse. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. Hebrews chapter 11 in your Bible is God's hall of fame. If you want to know who who God says are the greatest characters in my book, the Bible, go to Hebrews chapter 11 and it is a it is a, a list, it is a roll call of outstanding winners in God's eyes. It's a list of names of men and women that God himself put in his own hall of fame who distinguished themselves in the kingdom of God. Some of them waxed valiant in battle, the scripture says, like Gideon. With 300 men, he defeated 300,000 Midianites. Some of them, like David, fought a giant. Samson slew a thousand Philistines. They're all found amazing, magnificent, massive triumphs. They're all found in Hebrews chapter 11, and they did it by faith. And right in the middle of all of these superstars of the Bible, there are three names that appear in that chapter, and they seem to not be in the proper place if you just look at it in the natural. If you don't know the story behind these people, they never did anything, they never conquered an army, they never took a city. They never fought a giant. They never walked through the fiery furnace or shut the mouth of lions like Daniel did in the, in the lion's den by faith. They never did anything like that. Never performed a miracle. Never did anything worth seemingly being in God's hall of fame. They don't fit hero status except for one reason. They were heroes in God's eyes because they saved their families. The most important thing in your life is, number one, that you be saved. That you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And secondly, that your family be saved. And God thinks if you're getting yourself saved and then you focus on your family to get them saved in God's eyes, apparently because he put three people who the only thing they did was save their family. And God said, they're heroes in my eyes. In my eyes, God says, if you're saving your family, you're doing something just as great as Samson did, just as great as David did when he fought Goliath, just as great as Abraham did, just as great as Gideon did. They deserve to be in God's hall of fame because they saved their families. They were family heroes. And the first name that I want to highlight is a real shocker. Her name was Rahab. She's called Rahab the prostitute. In our modern day, she would be a stripper. She would be a lap dancer. She would be a prostitute in sex trafficking. And yet, when Moses or when Joshua took the children of Israel into the promised land and they took the first city called Jericho, He sent two spies and the king heard that they were spying out the city and Rahab invited these two spies into her house and the Bible said she hid them. She made a deal with them and she said, if I hide you in my house, I know I've got a crazy family. I know that I'm a prostitute. I know that there's nothing in my family background that should qualify me to be associated with God's chosen people, the Israelites. But if I hide you, and the Bible called them, in, by the way, in the book of Joshua, witnesses, two witnesses. If I hide the witness of household salvation in my house, when judgment comes on this place and I tie a scarlet cord on the window that I'm going to let you escape from, I ask one thing. Here's why she's a hero. I want myself to be in this house under the scarlet cord, which represents the blood. The house represents the church. I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now watch this, watch this. And and she says, but it's not enough. And this is in Joshua 2, maybe they've got the verse. She said, I don't just want myself saved. Now imagine the audacity of, of, of a prostitute. She's not a church girl. She's not in the choir. She's, she's not. You got, you got the scripture. She, she, said, she said, I want my daddy. I want my husband. I want my mama. I want my daddy. She actually, in Joshua 2, starts naming all of her family. And she cuts a deal with them. And she says, I want my whole family saved. And the spies said, if you just get them in the house. And keep them in the house under the blood, under the scarlet cord. When judgment comes, your house will stand and your family will be saved. She saved her family by making sure her family was in the house. She didn't kill a giant. She didn't hold a mega crusade. She didn't write a best-selling Christian book. She didn't have a beautiful song that touched the world. You know what she did to make herself a hero in God's eyes? She got her family, her whole family, in church. Now, I know that was a tough thing to do. She probably had a crazy family. 
And she got them all in. And can you see them? It had to be inconvenient. They're laying in the halls. They're laying on the couch. They're laying. Can you imagine the line to the bathroom? The whole family, all of her cousins, everybody is in the house. Under the cord, the scarlet cord, a type of the blood. And all she did to become a hero is she got them in the house. And I'm sure that they weren't real happy about being in the house. God says if you want to be a hero, parents, see to it that your family and kids are in the house of God. Church is not an option. Church is the safest place you can bring your family because you may not need it right now, but there's going to come a day when the enemy is going to do everything he can to come after your family. And the key to it is get them in the house while you've got them. Get them in the house. I love the fact that she, she made up her mind and she tied, the Bible said that the, that the spy said, fasten the scarlet cord to the house so that when we invade, nobody will touch whoever's in your house. She said, fasten it. They said, fasten it. Don't scotch tape it. But I want you to bind this cord until it gets a part of them. And that's what we're called to do as parents is we're to teach our children who Jesus is. We're to keep them in church, keep them in the house, make it a priority. It's important. It matters even when your kids are small and even when your kids are little toddlers and even sometimes it's aggravating and sometimes you feel like it's not even worth it. And sometimes you wonder, is it working? I promise you, if you've got them in the house, it's working. I've, li- I've lived a long time now. I've raised five kids. And I'm going to tell you, you can really make a difference. And you can become a hero for your family by just getting them in the house. Bringing them to the house. And fastening. You can so, you, you can so fasten that scarlet cord onto their spirit. That when they leave your house and go off to some liberal university, there's no atheist professor who can tear that scarlet cord off of their spirit. There's no boyfriend that can pull them away. There's no girlfriend that can pull them away. There's no peer pressure. There's no party that will be stronger than the grace that God has on them. They may stray. They may mess up. But if you fasten the scarlet cord and kept them in the house. You are a family hero. And it matters. I can't help but think as we leave that scene and go to the next character, but I can't help but think when all of the walls were crumbling and all of the screams and the cries from all of the families who didn't have a scarlet cord over their home. Representing the blood of Jesus is on this house. Which goes all the way back to Passover. All this stuff is connected. That when I see the blood, I'll pass over that house. It's protected by the blood of Jesus. And the death angel will go to another house and another house. And destruction and addiction and bondage, it'll destroy that one. But if I see the blood, I can't help but think that that when they heard the screams of the other families being crushed, 
that they ran and threw their arms around Rahab. Said, thank you, thank you, thank you for making us stay in the house. Thank you, you didn't listen to us. Thank you, you didn't ask us where we going to church. Thank you, that church wasn't enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Rahab. Thank you, I talked about you and talked about who. But oh, I'm so glad it was not convenient. And we got in a lot of fights about it. But we stayed in the house. And here's the crazy part of this story. She was not a Jew. But if you sneak over to Matthew chapter 1, it's the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It's the family chain of Jesus Christ. And right in the middle of so-and-so begot so-and-so and and -and so-and-so begot so-and-so, you see in there and Rahab. I'm telling you that your family can be saved regardless of the background. Not only saved, but God put her, she became the great-great-grandmother of King David, and David had a great-great-granddaughter named Mary, and Mary had a little lamb. And he was the lamb that takes away the... And crazy Rahab, there's nothing in your past, in your family background, more powerful than the blood, the scarlet cord of Jesus Christ. It can take addiction, it can take abuse, it can take generations of failure, and it can turn it around and put you in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Somebody give God praise. If I'll just fasten that cord to their spirit and keep them in the house and don't take them and drop them off keep them in the house preaching better than y'all letting on tonight look at the next one Rahab saved her family by getting them in the house but Noah saved his family by getting his family involved in building the ark the ark was the, called the ark of salvation. And his whole family life revolved around the kingdom cause. So many people get saved, but they don't understand that there's more to it than you being blessed. God wants you involved and your family in his kingdom calls, in building an ark of salvation for people, when judgment starts coming down, the ark is going to start rising. And he wants you to help get everybody you can on that ark. And you're not supposed to get saved and just relax. You're supposed to get saved and get involved in building the ark, the church. Noah got a commission from God to build an ark when he had 500 candles on his birthday cake. And he had three sons and they were all reared in an atmosphere of working on a boat. (laughs) Can you imagine? Every one of them grew up with a hammer and a nail and a saw. And they were taught and taken as soon as they got home from school, as soon as they got through with whatever, we have to work a little bit on the cause of God. We have to get involved. We can't just be in the house. We have to get involved. And heroes in God's eyes, all Noah did was get his family involved in building the church, building the ark. Because there's no greater cause than the cause of God. 
Education is important. Sports is important. Nice home, nice car is important. All of that stuff will pass away. There is nothing more important than helping your children find their purpose and their call and their mission in life. And that happens when you get them involved in the work of God. They go on mission trips. They get around preachers. They get around atmospheres like this. And destiny, for the reason for which they were placed on this earth, gets stirred up in services just like this. I thought about, you know, he gave his, he taught his children to get involved. When we started coming out here, uh, we, our kids were, uh, Sharice, how old were, were the girls? 16 down, right? 16. So our oldest, Courtney, was 16, and they were about two years apart. So it'd be 16, 14, 12, and, and on down. They just kept going, you know? And, and Drake was, uh, Drake was, what was he? He's a little rug rat. That's what he was. But, but we would bring them out here. And because we didn't have, I mean, we, we have, a, you know, a big church, big church in, Cal, in, in Georgia. But we didn't, have, we didn't have hardly a handful of people here. So we didn't have the ministries. So we needed help in the children's ministry. We needed help in the nurse. So my little daughters... They would come out here and they would work in kid pack and they would work in the nursery. And I, I, you'd walk in the, in the nursery down there and Courtney would have one on one hip and have one here and feed one bottles and, and all these girls. Now Carissa is, 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 is the pastor of the church. Her and Ben are pastors of the church, but she's actually started helping out in kid pack. We got them involved. And, all of them, Caroline, all of them. Now they've taken their little detours, but we tied that little knot on that scarlet cord. And when they got out there so far, the Holy Spirit would jerk that cord and pull them back in. Every one of them are saved. Every one of them are serving Jesus. Every one of them are involved in the kingdom work. And all four of them presently are involved in this ministry. It works. Turn to somebody and say it works. I I got a feeling that when Noah's sons picked wives, they picked wives that worked on boats. I don't need no girl who's not interested in the kingdom. I need a girl who likes to work on boats. It defined their family. God's cause must be the center of our family. Now listen to me carefully. If you go to uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, I was thinking about this. I read an article about, um, uh, I jotted his name down, Jeff Gordon. He's from California, I think. NASCAR racer. And they have a little dinner cruise they do in in Fort Lauderdale. And... uh, they take you to these beautiful yachts of, of super wealthy people's yachts. And his is out there, one of them that they'll show you. He bought a yacht for $30 million. And the slit, they said the slit that he keeps it in and all the stuff that goes with it is $20,000 a month. $240,000 a year just to park, park it. <laughs> And, 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 and he's got gold fixtures and he's got jet skis on it. He's got a jacuzzi, got a little helicopter pad, got uh, a, a ski boat on it. 
It's got uh, wood deck. It is, it's pimped out. You should, I mean, it's, it's bad to the bone. I'm not putting it down. I, I'm like, wow, look at that thing. That looks fun. That's a party boat right there if I ever saw one. But if you had seen Noah's boat, 75 feet long, made out of gopher wood, 75 feet long, 45 feet wide, because God gave him the dimensions, 35 feet high, three stories with one window, and all those animals and one window. And if I were to dangle the keys to Jeff Gordon's yacht, And say, you can choose. Look at that shiny, gorgeous yacht, man. Complete with shelves and a crew. Or you can have Noah's Ark. And by the way, the Bible said that he pitched it, which is like a a ceiling substance, inside and out. Make sure that what you're pitching publicly is what you're living and pitching privately. If what you're pitching publicly doesn't match up with what you're living privately, your family notices that stuff. But watch this. If I were to dangle the keys and say, you can have Noah's rectangular box, or you can have this yacht, most of you would choose that yacht. And I would agree with you if you plan on always cruising in smooth water. But if you're going to withstand the storms, you better get in the boat that God designed. And there's some situations that nothing in this world can get you out of except an ark of salvation for your family. I'm saying to you today that sometimes we get infatuated with pretty boats and party boats and we think, oh my goodness, people laugh and mock at us because here we go to church again and here we are getting involved in another thing again and keeping our families involved in church and involved in the ministries and all kinds of things. But one thing changed all the mockers. It sounded like this, drip. And there's one sound that's going to change everything. One day a trumpet is going to sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first and we who are alive will be caught up. And I can't imagine going up without my family on that ark of salvation. If I never achieve success in the eyes of the world, if I can get myself and my family to heaven, I am a success. If I can teach them to honor and love and work in the cause of God. Come on and shout amen. I got one more. Moses' parents. His dad was named Araram, and his mother was named Jochebed. And they're in God's hall of fame for one reason. They hid him. They hid him. They were unintimidated. They were not afraid. A Pharaoh's decree, he said, I'm going to kill all the boys two years of age and under. And instead of presenting him to be slaughtered, they hid him. They hid him 
Because they understood what we need to understand, that children's innocence is something precious. We need to understand that children are impressionable. They'll learn about the world soon enough, so hide them. Don't expose them when they're tender and when they're young. Protect them, hide them, shield them all that you can from filthy language, from filthy movies and pornographic junk. Shield them, hide them. Have some boundaries, have some rules. Don't know who their friends are. No, every once in a while, check their phones. Hide them. Hide them. Hide them. And when they could no longer hide them. I love this. Jochebed was the baddest mama in, 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 in the Bible, in my opinion. Because she didn't just raise Moses the deliverer. Because if she hadn't built a basket out of bulrush, and when she couldn't hide him anymore, she built such a basket of faith, such a basket of prayer, such a basket of teaching of the Word of God, that when she put him in it and sent him down the river, she knew the crocodiles that have teeth like razors, that have tails as strong enough to knock a horse down, who have skin like leather, She knew they would be attracted to that crying baby, but she built so much prayer, so much faith, so much of the word around that boy that she said to those crocodiles, you will not have my son. I know he's going through Egypt. I know he's going off to university. I know he's not going to be in my house forever. But when I can't hide him in my house and I have to send him forth, I've got him so covered up in prayer and in faith and in teaching. And I've taught them who Jesus is that no matter where they go, I got them in a basket of faith. I put my values in them. And I know she did. I don't understand it. You remember, uh, she got hired. <laughs> you know, Pharaoh's daughter goes down. She's taking a bath in the river. And here comes a baby. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, my God, I've been wanting to have a baby. She takes the baby out. And she says, oh, my God, he's hungry. He's hungry. And there's a woman that just happens to be hanging around. Her name is Jochebed. <laughs> Do you need someone to feed this baby? I, I actually could feed this baby for you. And they start paying her to do what she would have done for free. That's when favor's on you. It's when the enemy starts paying you for what. But what gets me is he went to Egyptian universities. He was schooled in Pharaoh's palace. But you know who wrote the book of Genesis? And the first five books of the Bible, a guy named Moses... And even though they taught, there were 8,000, they taught, Egyptian theology teaches that the world was on the back of a turtle. And then it says on, on another place that elephants held the world. But, 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 but somehow what she taught him when he was a little bitty baby got so deep in his spirit that in the beginning was God. 
and God said, let there be. And if you want to know how the world started, it didn't start with a turtle or an elephant. It started with a God in heaven who spoke and made man. All these revelations came from a boy who was mentored. Not only, listen, listen to Jacobin. She didn't just, she didn't just raise up Moses. Now you understand, if there had been no Moses, there had been no deliverance from Egyptian bondage. If there had been no Egyptian bondage, there'd be no Ten Commandments. If there'd been no Ten Commandments, there'd be no tribe of Judah. And if there had not been a tribe of Judah, there'd be no Messiah, there'd be no Jesus. This one guy. Not only did she raise him, but she had another son named Aaron. And he became the first high priest of Israel. He was the one who walked behind the veil and and put the blood on the altar and prayed and the favor of God came upon the nation. Not only that, she had one daughter and, and, and that girl, the Bible said... When she was the first praise and worship leader. I can't think of her name right now, but, but I can't remember my own daughter's name, so it's no big deal. But, 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 but what was her name? Miriam. I'm glad one person reads the Bible in this church. Miriam. Think about it. One mother. This is a bad mother. One mother. I mean, in a good way. She was bad. She, 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 she knew how. She raised Moses. She raised Aaron, the high priest. She raised Miriam, the first praise and worship leader. Because when they came across the, 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 the Red Sea and they got to the other side, she broke out her tambourines and she started singing a song of praise. You never read of any praise anywhere in the Bible until she started it. What am I saying? saying to you that if you will get your family in the house, if you secondly will get them involved in the work of God, if you thirdly will make up your mind that you're going to hide them as long as you can hide them, and then when I have to release them, my influence, our influence our faith, our prayers, all those fastings, those 21 day fast. You think my kid, I, I, please, I got regular kids. They are not little angels. I don't trust them no further than I can throw any of them, tell you the truth. But I know one thing, I have messed them up for life. Because I have put them in an invisible basket. And when they, when I have to release them, the crocodiles will never get them. The crocodiles will never have them. They may chase them. They may nip at them. They may get their teeth caught. But they're somewhere in there where I've pleaded the blood one time too many over them. Oh, do you hear what I'm saying? You don't have to be a superstar. If you'll just do what the Word says, you can be a family hero. And it's never too late. Let's stand up on our feet and give the Lord a praise that He loves our families. That He's got a plan for our families. And you may feel like, well, I've just messed up. And I've just, I've not been doing it. And now they're getting older. And it's just, uh, it's never too late. That's why I love Rahab's story. I mean... If anybody could have said, God won't bless me because of my background and I messed up the things I've done. I know he's not going to bless my family. It could have been her. And she ends up in the genealogy of Jesus. Don't tell me how bad your family's been. Or you've been. 
There's nothing in your background more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.